Welcome to the 20th episode of the BBCE, the best book club ever. Whether you are an avid reader or just like to relax and have fun or both, join us each week for some awesome book discussion. The BBCE is a safe place to cultivate authentic friendships, share real lives with you, and conquer all of life's problems. Well, you know. As always, I am joined by BBCE members Sarah, Mandy, and Katie. This week, we are going to hopefully change the way you see the world. But first, the random question, okay? I want to know what your covey name would be. And what a covey name is, it's your first name from taken from a ballad and the second name from a color, okay? So Sarah, Mandy, Katie. So my covey name would be Constellations Yellow. Nice. That's a new Ellie Holcomb song and I'm obsessed with it. I listened to it once. Did you? <laughs> once. <laughs> Just once. Yes, She's like, once. and I'm done. For me. She's like, I'm good. No more of that. Oh, It's not my favorite of her songs, Sarah. It's not. Really? Oh my gosh, really? I love it so much. Okay, this is Mandy, and my ballad name would be Girl Yellow. Oh, it's a very, Girl Yellow. Okay, very Girl original and yellow. just like me. <laughs> I was, you know, because there's like songs about like romance and stuff like that. Is there a so. specific artist that sings the song Girl? There are ballads with the name girl in them. Okay. (laughs) With the title girl. I'm going to link all of this in our blog and on the show notes. So if you want to like hear the song that we chose. Here we go. This is from a rock ballad. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever listened to this song or you just Googled it? I... I'm terrible at this kind of stuff. You know that, Holly. Oh, man. Okay. It says, these are the lyrics. It says, she's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus and America too. (laughs) Loves, she's a good girl, crazy about Elvis, loves her horses and her boyfriend too. (laughs) It's free falling. And I love that song. Free, free falling. Okay. Then your name would be Free Yellow. Free okay, I can be free yellow. Free yellow. Free falling yellow. Oh, that's my name. I have my name. I'm free yellow. My name is Katie, <laughs> and my cubby name would be Tennessee Orange. And you could call me Nisi because if I had another daughter, her name would be Tennessee, and I would call her Nisi, which no. makes my husband say, Thank oh. goodness we are having no more children. <laughs> because oh, he, that's funny. He I hates that, but Tennessee. I love it. I would call her Nisi. She'd be Tennessee, but I, so I'm gonna steal the cute. name that I want to name my imaginary daughter. <laughs> so cute. That's awesome. <laughs> I would be called Claire de Blue because I love Claire de Lune and I love the color blue. So pretty. Ooh, pretty. So we are technically in our second episode of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. But this episode is going to be full of spoilers, so if you love spoilers, keep listening. And if you have completed the book, I mean, like, please enjoy this podcast with us. And it's episode 20. 20, yeah, episode 20. It's a big deal. So, yay. 
Um, okay, Sarah, can you read the publisher's synopsis for us, please? Yes. All right. It is the morning of the reaping that will kick off the 10th annual Hunger Games. In the capital, 18-year-old Coriolanus Snow is preparing for his one shot at glory as a mentor in the games. The once mighty House of Snow has fallen on hard times, its fate hanging on the slender chance that Coriolanus will be able to outcharm, outwit, and outmaneuver his fellow students to mentor the winning tribute. The odds are against him. He's been given the humiliating assignment of mentoring the female tribute from District 12, the lowest of the low. Their fates are now completely intertwined. Every choice Coriolanus makes could lead to favor or failure, triumph or ruin. Inside the arena, it will be a fight to the death. Outside the arena, Coriolanus starts to feel for his doomed tribute and must weigh his need to follow the rules against his desire to survive no matter what it takes. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. That's awesome. So this book, does anyone want to give like a brief synopsis? I know that was the publisher's synopsis, but sort of of how this book goes. It's like a, it's almost like a Starcrest Lovers story mm. slash um, what coming of age kind of, I feel like. Yeah, that's great, Sarah. Okay, so like something like the, I think, three-fourths of the book is like pretty much getting ready for the Hunger Games and then the Hunger Games in this 10th annual Hunger Games. And then the last one-fourth of it is like pretty much when Snow is in District 12 as a, what do they call them, a peace peacekeeper. Yeah, totally keep the peace. <laughs> so like that's what I was kind of talking about. Like okay. um, um, let's talk about Snow, okay? So, um, I've got a couple questions about snow, and I'm going to lump them all into one question. So, I'm going to try to do that at least. So, Tigress, Snow's cousin, and his grandmama are always, like, projecting this idea that Snow is going to be the president someday, and snow lands on top is a phrase that Tigress says a lot, and Snow even, like, says it to himself. So they are always projecting this onto him. Um, how do you think this helped or hurt him? Do you think it even played a role in how he thought about himself? And then I also want to ask you guys, in the same question, is did you ever find yourself sympathizing with Snow? We know that he's the bad guy because we've listened to the other Hunger Games, but do you find yourself sympathizing or agreeing um, with even just any of his thought process or anything like that? All right, this is Mandy, and uh, first of all, that little uh, catchphrase, snow always lands on top or snow lands on top, I just thought was so cheesy, and I got so tired <laughs> of listening to it, but it served its purpose, and its purpose was, it, it, it served a good purpose, so... Uh, I could kind of get past it. You so, get it, though, um, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> okay, I just want to <laughs> make you. sure. <laughs> a valid question. Totally valid question. It's not question. like rain uh, lands on top or something, you know, like. <laughs> I, I totally okay. get it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so snow lands on top. 
I think that that phrase and the fact that he was continually reminded of it, like he even thought back a lot to um, his childhood and it talked a lot about his father who isn't alive anymore. And I think there was a lot of pride there, like familial pride that drove him not always in a good way. Like it brought out his competitive nature. It brought out his ambition. I mean, he wanted to <laughs> practically rule the world from the beginning of the book, you know, and it always came back to that like snow lands on top, even in the hardest of times. That's what he'd go back to. So um, your question. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I do think it I uh, man, I think it helped him out uh, for sure. But I I think that pride really hurt him too and got him into some situations he wouldn't have found himself I think in. it made him so. a bit narcissistic is that a word um yes because yes, it, it built Definitely into a him word. <laughs> I didn't know if anyway um mm. it built into him this thought process that if snow if this is a fact that snow lands on top then whatever I need to do to get to that outcome is okay. Like he could see, like I feel like throughout the book, he could see where he was making wrong choices. And there was a point where he was like, I need to stop doing this. But also if snow lands on top, if this is a fact, then ultimately it's okay. Like he justified oh, what, yes. well, what is best you're, for my family and what is best for regardless of how it affects anyone else. Right. And then what is best or what does tradition teach us? Yeah. Well, you're right. That phrase was the premise on which he built his life, I think. I, it was like a premise in his life, a <laughs> foundation. I think it even played in when there was a time when I thought, like, like he loved Lucy Gray. He loved her so much. But there was a time I thought, oh, my goodness, he would give her up. He would give up all of that for to win, you know, or for what he wants. I mean, actually, there were a I couple times. I don't think he loved her, though. He I was going to say. I don't think he loved her either. <laughs> well, well, so. that well, but I, I'm just stating what I, I know. I'm just stating he, it. He thinks that he loved her. Portrays like it. His idea of what love was. Right. And and he'd never felt anything like that before. But I think that that, I, I think that premise of Snowlands on top is what drove him so much that he didn't care. He would have left gonna, her. I was going to, yeah. High and, and dry. He, well, he did. I think, I mean, he loved himself the most. Like you said, narcissistic. He didn't, he loved himself way more than he loved her. So... Yeah, but they, That's they my were take. a pretty, pretty equal pair. <laughs> anyway. I think he loved his, was it a cousin, Tigress? Was that his cousin? Yes. Yeah. I think he loved yeah. Tigress. <laughs> I think they had a trauma bond for sure. Probably. Like, for <laughs> sure. At least in that relationship, we saw that. I could that see that, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I loved how creative she was. Just side note, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and resourceful, and she's yeah. in the later books. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, she's one of she's the, in the Mocking Jay. Well, she's one okay. of the like fashion people that yep. helps Katniss. 
Am right? I right? No. You're not right. Okay. What is um, she? But good try. Oh. <laughs> she, she is in The Mockingjay, and so uh, she does help Katniss, oh. but she helps all of them um, – hide in the capital is she the one that looks like the cat Mm -hmm. she is the one that looks like the cat and she the capital like disowned her because she had so much cosmic cosmetic surgery Mm. surgery yeah okay cosmetic surgery so that she didn't even look like and obviously a human and like at that point obviously snow and her and she have not they don't have a relationship anymore right Right. so you don't know what happened there you know no idea what happened no so crazy yeah Yeah. and she wasn't the only character in this book that has either relatives that come up later in the series yeah um, or like plutarch heavensby Heavensby. right Uh, heavensby is one and then there's um there's a couple other um that um it's just like if you've read all of the books, which I don't know why you wouldn't read all of the books. Um, don't read book see, three. Don't Sorry. read book three. <laughs> I love that well, book. And it I talked know. about Katniss in the one, book and then the Katniss Everdeen. I yeah. feel like that was kind of like a... And now there are so many different theories. Like, is Lucy Gray Katniss Everdeen's, like, great-grandmother? Grandmother, yeah. Grandma, yeah. Oh, Ooh. can we talk about that at some point? I didn't sure, look at your Sure, go on. <laughs> Let's do it now. I meant don't read book three of the trilogy, by the way. Yeah, the fourth one. The last one, Mockingjay. Oh, the last one, <laughs> Mockingjay. Okay. So stupid. Um, are we going to talk about the Hanging Tree song? Oh, the Let's talk about it now. Let's that talk about cool. it now. That was so cool. Because yeah. Lucy Gray wrote that song, and then Katniss Everdeen sings it during Ooh. the opening yes. ceremonies of the Hunger Games when Snow is president. So, like, I'm getting chills. Wait, wait, I mean, wait. Right? Me too. Am I wrong again? Wait a second. Am I wrong again? Lucy Gray wrote that song. I do know that. Yes, Lucy okay. Gray wrote the song. Lucy Gray sings a different song at the reaping. I mean, like, right? Come no, on. I said no. She Katniss. Is such, I know. Okay. Katniss does not sing at the reaping. No. No. She no, sings no, no. in the Hunger Games. Right. So not the opening to ceremony. Rue as Rue is dying. But she also sang that Hanging Tree song, or it's in the Hunger Games books. And yes. It's yes. Associated with Katniss and. Um, now I can't Rue. think of the boys' names. No, is that the one she sings oh. to Rue? Is that the song? I'm pretty um, sure. Ooh, that, oh, that's okay. Yay! She Katniss learned that song from her father. Yes, and she sings the Hanging Tree in Mockingjay Part One. But she also sings it in the Hunger Games. Interesting. That's I remember. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Who knows? I make up a lot of stories, but I knew somehow, <laughs> I think all of us like do. when I learned that Lucy Gray was the one that wrote that, and I remembered, like, oh, that's the song that Katniss like yeah, knew, that was and cool. so Snow was probably mm-hmm. like a little bit triggered by Katniss in all the ways. Oh yeah. Well, and another way mm-hmm. he was triggered by her was because of the Mockingjay. Oh yeah, because and tried all to of these Mockingjays. Yes, he. He tried to kill all of them, and then he used it to pretty much inform on his best friend, which apparently was not his friend at all. Mm -hmm. I have a question. 
Yes, Sir Janus <laughs> is the one that he. I mean, we are skipping all around this book, so I hope so you guys sorry. have completely read the book. No, this is how real book club goes, though. Yeah. Like this is yeah. how it goes, and so, I love it. The roses, like I kept thinking, okay, does this mean, like, because President Snow would send Katniss roses, and think like he sent her like a bunch of roses at one point and then I think they showed up in a few different places but like he it seemed to me in this book the ballad of songbirds and snakes that he used it as like a um a sign of like respect and like um also maybe kind of like you're mine um and stuff like that so I was just thinking about like how does that correlate with Katniss? Like when he sent her roses, like was he saying like, "I respect you" and mm. I, um, I don't like your mind and everything because she was there to like play the game, so it was like a battle mm. of wits or whatever. But then also like to tell her, "I'm in control of you." Like this is, yeah. I almost thought he was mocking her when he sent those, but. From what I remember, and it's been a while. But knowing what we know now, it does just make me think, like, how much he probably was, like, all the stuff that was stirred up every time he had to deal with Katniss, the girl from District 12 who won the Hunger Games by being a little bit sneaky and smarter than everyone. Like, I think it was just almost like maybe you're Lucy Gray 30 years down the road. and (laughs) Yeah, right. Kind of, th- oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I just, sixty-five I years I down think, the road. Oh, that. I think it was a power play. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think sending Katniss roses 64. is probably a power play. But Knowing now where the roses came well, from, they came from wonder, like, like his family heritage, right. and that snowlands on top thing, and then he sends her roses. It just seems like a power and like play, does but. she does she understand that power play? Because if she came from Lucy Gray's family, could stories have been told? about the roses and about snow and I don't know. Just, I, I don't think Katniss had any type of like inclination as to, like Katniss didn't seem to have triggers from snow. Right. Snow completely has is triggered by Katniss Everdeen. And I think yeah. a lot of that does have to do with Lucy Gray, yeah. District Twelve and the Mockingbirds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, we are completely theorizing all of this. So, yeah. like, maybe... None of that is canon. Yes. <laughs> like, maybe there will be a, a connecting point at some, at some point. Surely. She'll write, like, she maybe she'll... Because we don't even know what happened to Lucy Gray. We have no idea if she even, like, lived or Lip, went back right, to District I 12. Or I think she's, like, in <laughs> District 13, and I bet Katniss met her, like there when she went there in um in catching fire that's what i think oh my no goodness. way lucy gray oh. is too much of like a hard woman like she'd be on the right front. Which I would even think as a 90 year old she would be like right on the front lines of it she's not hiding no, out that's in district why I th- 13 well but she'd they were like, the ones that planned the attack God. on the capitol like they were the ones that were like the new rebels were District 13. They were the ones that, like, Lucy Gray you know, could be the in charge recruited of the new Katniss. Yeah, I could she totally queen? see that. Okay. 
We're all theorizing down the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole. Okay. I do want, because Mandy, you kind of said like this was Snow's model, like Snow lands on top and it, it really is Snow's model. I want to talk about um, what Lucy Gray, the first thing she's saying when she was reaping um, or when she was reaped, she's saying this song that had this quote in it, and it says, quote, nothing you can take from me was ever worth keeping, end quote. <laughs> and it, it happens over and over again in the book. So that, to me, is kind of like Lucy Gray's theme, you know? I love it. She is, like, going up to the stage to be the Hunger Games contestant from Distri- District 12, probably going to die. <laughs> she's like, hmm. Nothing you can take from me was ever worth keeping. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and she dressed Who up for it. Little Miss like, Sassy Pants. Like, I love yes. it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and she was betrayed to even be the one who was raped, like sold right. out by the mayor's daughter. And she's just uh-huh. like, okay. I mean. I mean, it was just I, even incredible that like when she was raped, she's like, okay, great. Here you go. Here's the snake in your dress. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll get up on stage and sing and dance my way around. Oh, you're coming Miss for me, please. peacekeepers? I'll just dance Love over here. Me. You know? Like. Yep. Loved it. I just, <laughs> I love this character. I She yep. reminds. I'm like. I'm, yeah. She, she reminds me of Dolly Parton. Just saying. <laughs> oh. Oh, I've listened to some of that podcast. Oh. I, I could see that. Oh. Yeah. The Dolly Parton's America. She listened to it. That makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> that's awesome I did um another like little tidbit from this book that I really enjoyed was um just finding out how the Hunger Games were created mm. and then also the other thing was um how Snow's mind worked to like make like develop things um mm. to make the games more entertaining oh my goodness he, yeah he was scary smart Snow was scary smart. I thought that from really the very beginning of the book. That's Coriolanus um, for anybody who, yeah, we keep calling him Snow. But in the book, he goes by Coriolanus pretty much all the time. But I I was like, whoa, this dude is, like, he's going to come out of everything, (laughs) you know? And he pretty um, much does until he dies. And, I mean, he's even laughing when he dies because he's... At the end of Mockingjay. At the end of Mockingjay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not at the end of this book. No. He does not die for many, many years. I I thought it was interesting to see how he got from... And Holly, you know what? I'm afraid I just jumped ahead to a question you haven't asked us yet. Do it! But um, (laughs) I I thought it was interesting to see how he got from where he was to what he was at the end of the book. Like... Yeah, so let's talk about that, Mandy. And um, so I think a t- a, there's a couple turning points for me, and I think there's probably many, many more, and you guys can please jump in. But um, one of the quotes from the book, quote, if the people were supposed to protect you played so fast and loose with your life, then how did you survive? Not by trusting them, that's for sure. And if you couldn't trust them, then who could you trust? End quote. Mm. Snow said. And this is right after Gaul had uh, Clemencia purposefully bitten by this tank full of snakes. 
I think I, that's one. I think that kind of shows like his thinking at the beginning. And then I think um, his thought processes change after he is made to go into the arena and rescue Sir Janus. Mm, and Mandy, yeah. there's a portion of the book I would like for you to read. Can you read that? Yeah. Yep. Do you want to give any kind of a. So this is like, I mean, I think I just did. Do I need to give more than just that? Oh, okay. Like pretty much he had to go into the arena and rescue Sir Janus. Right. Okay. And he didn't quite come out unscathed. Right. And um, so uh, when he did not come out unscathed and had to be cared for, uh, Dr. Gall, who was, I I think I would call her the villain of the book, (laughs) one of the villains for sure, um, uh, talks, talks to him. And while he was in there, while Coriolanus was in the arena, he actually ended up really inadvertently killing one of the tributes trying to get, because he, when he was trying to get out. So Dr. Gall says to him, well, mission accomplished with that little one from eight. You beat him to a pulp. There's this realization. Coriolanus remembered the sickening thuds of his board against Bobbin. That's the person he killed. So he had what? Murdered the boy? No, not that. It was an open and shut case of self-defense. But what then? He had killed him, certainly. There would never be any erasing that, no regaining that innocence. He had taken human life. So Dr. Gall says, what happened in the arena? That's humanity undressed. The tributes, and you too. How quickly civilization disappears. All your fine manners, education, family background, Everything you pride yourself on is stripped away in the blink of an eye, revealing everything you actually are. A boy with a club who beats another boy to death. That's mankind in its natural state. The idea, laid out as much, shocked Coriolanus, but he attempted a laugh. Are we really as bad as all that? Do you want me to keep reading? No, that's great. Thank you, Mandy. Woo! Uh, it's true. <laughs> well, I, I think we saw that in Coriolanus's life. By I, I think all of this came together to fuel his power-filled ambitions, and he had all of these experiences that I think just kept leading him down that rabbit hole. Does that make sense? Yeah. Katie, you say you disagree. Why do you disagree? Um, because we have a choice. Yep. And like Lucy Gray said, nothing you can take from me is worth taking anyway. It made me think of the book, The Choice. It really did. It made me think of Dr. Edith Ager and how no one could take what was from her mind or in her mind. And I feel like Sir Janus had that same choice. I mean, he was in the arena doing what he did. and. Right. He didn't kill anybody. Of course, I mean, he was being protected by Snow, but yeah. he made his choice. Of course. Like, and he he died as a, as a martyr for his belief and his cause, but he made his choice. So I don't believe that humanity at its natural state is going to just go off and murder everybody. Like, I don't believe <laughs> that. I don't think so. We don't see that always mm-hmm. in history taking place. There was always people on the side of not doing that. Or we would not, I mean, yeah. 
I think Gall is using such a, like, I think she is using Snow and playing mind tricks on him and using fear. I think that's what they do for the entire, like, that's what they do with the Hunger Games. They use fear. So, and like, yeah, to manipulate the people. And the whole thing about, like, have we gotten to that quote that's in the notes about protect the people who protect you? If they, yeah, you said that. And then we read this part of the book, but it's interesting. Yes. Like, yeah. What if the people that are supposed to protect you played so fast and loose with your life? How did you survive? Uh, Yeah. I, I think that's been shown more often than, than the other flip side that Gaul's trying to say that like humanity at its core, we're just going to murder each other. No, usually we've got governments who, tell us we need them and to protect us. And then they wind up, you know, massacring hundreds of thousands of citizens in the name of, oh, we're the government. And we, I'm, you know, I'm let's, just saying that's keep the been peace. more, right. It's not peace. Right. Like the peacekeepers, which I think it took me forever to figure out what she was like saying with even naming them peacekeepers, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I mean, I don't remember specifically like what she said, but I always think so much about that because we just got through with our Enneagram book discussion and like Enneagram 9 is called the peacemaker. But so often we're really just peacekeepers. And I think I talked about this. There's such a big difference. Like lots of times there can be no peace if there's no justice. Like, and so moving into that space of like fighting for what's right and equality and justice ultimately is what brings peace, not just keeping the peace. Like the peacekeeper's job was to do was to keep the peace. Basically, don't let anyone question anything or try to, you know, try to do something that would disrupt the, the, the capital and what their ultimate like strategy and goal was which was to oppress so yeah he was definitely being groomed I mean she Mm -hmm. knew exactly the steps to take I mean she could see him on the precipice of like he could have gone a different direction Mm -hmm. if he had had somebody else like guiding him I think well like I think her whole quote like I think this whole little spiel she gives him you know like all your pride stripped away in the blink of an eye, revealing everything you actually are, you know, it's mankind and it's natural. I think it's all mm-hmm. just meant to just yeah. brainwash him. And, and she it appealed her to who she knew him. he was. She like strategically picked him because she knew like the financial situation that he was in and oh, she yeah. knew that his status was in question. Yeah. And then he also has like this rich family heritage of like yeah. patriotism, but for no reason of like looking at is this really mm-hmm. helpful or is it not helpful? Um, just like blindly, like this is what we do and this is yeah. how I protect and this yeah. is. I mean, he. They even talk about in this book how they yep. really, and we've seen this even in our history in America, which is so sad. They see people in these districts as animals, mm-hmm. and we have seen that in American history people being portrayed as animals and Mm -hmm. they're not animals. They are human Mm -hmm. beings. Right. Yep. Yeah. It is incredible. Like what, 
money and privilege and status will make somebody to hold on to that. It's very sad to see like how much they're willing to just shift their perspective to justify something. And it's just, it's so, it's so awful. And it can start with little things. Yeah. It doesn't start with big things. Right. It starts with the little things. And like I think about how um, Satan works in our lives. He appeals to who he knows we are. Like mm. he knows the things that are going to get us. Mm. Dr. Gall appealed to like highly to Coriolanus's pride. Mm-hmm. Even his family pride. Like because she knew that's what... You know, and I think this is part of the slippery slope. One of the experiences he had, a slippery slope to where he ended up. Well, this just continues our discussion. So late, late in the book, after Lucy Gray has already won the Hunger Games, but then Corio is the peacemaker in District 12. And they're doing, I think it's interesting, Sarah, that you said star-crossed lovers um, because, or something like that, or unrequited love, or I don't remember what you said earlier because I was talking to Mandy's daughter and she had a friend over and her friend in their preteens teenagers teenagers yeah and they were like oh it's such a lovey-dovey book like her friend was like that i didn't pick up on the lovey-dovey stuff at all in this (laughs) book i was like he totally doesn't love her i don't get this relationship and there are multiple relationships in it anyway that has nothing to do with this sort of (laughs) i don't know anyway lucy gray and coriolanus um are talking um I think in one of the meadows, one of the times that they got together. So, quote, on the whole, I think we are right about needing order. End quote. Corio to Lucy Gray. Quote, the Covey believes you are put on earth to reduce the misery, not to add to it. End quote. Um, and I don't know if I got those verbatim or not. Um, I tried my best to do verbatim with the quotes, but I am listening audio and then like typing it out. So uh, do you think um, Lucy Gray or Corio is right? Like, let's just talk about that for a little bit because they definitely had, this is at the end of the book and they definitely had different, differing perspectives. Hmm. I mean, yes, we need order. That seems like a, just a healthy thing like we all need boundaries but you have to take into consideration that people's lives are like they matter (laughs) so if the decision I don't know if you're trying to just control people's lives then that's different than trying to I don't want to say protect either because you can rationalize protecting somebody's life, but just Mm -hmm. being respectful of each other, I think is the main thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand there has to be consequences for things, but that doesn't mean that you need to have the hunger games. (laughs) Well, right. Yeah. (laughs) Totally different. Yeah. I think about um, extremes and so often, when things happen, there's a lot of emotion involved. We'll go to an extreme, extreme solution. Um, 
you know, I can't, can't lie now and then in parenting, that's where my mind wants to go. Like this extreme solution, like I'm going to take your iPad and burn it, you know, (laughs) but anyway, (laughs) but anyway, like, so you go to this extreme and the hunger games are definitely an extreme, um, quote unquote solution. Um, but so Corio saying to Lucy gray on the whole, I think we are right about needing order that phrase on its own with not knowing it in any kind of context of the hunger games or anything. I agree with that. We do. I mean, God created order. Like he, he ordered everything. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, we need order. Okay. But then she challenges him and says, okay, well, I mean, do you think the hunger games is the right way to have that order? So she's challenging the extremism of it of his statement in context of the Hunger Games. Um, and, I mean, I don't remember your question. I guess we're just discussing. But I I loved when she stood up and said that. You know, I think, I think that's one of the main things is, like, having discussion about it. Like, yes, order, but yes, reducing misery. <laughs> like, both. <laughs> we need both. Katie, what are your thoughts? And, and when I made my oh, comment, hang on, I wow. was not at all thinking of anything going on in the day. I was just talking in very generalities. I'm not, I, I had no political thing going through my mind at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's what yeah. I'm trying to, yeah. Right. And that's what I'm trying to, like, not let spin out of control before I respond because I don't necessarily want to answer it in the day that we're living in but I kind of also do so it's like oh I'm having a hard I don't want to I don't want to just ramble on forever I haven't processed my thoughts enough and if I do it verbally it could take a while so I'm gonna I'm just gonna say um I think so often we allow ourselves without necessarily questioning to believe that somehow as citizens of America that what we've been given here, and I'm quote unquote given here, um, justifies so many things. It's like our country makes a lot of decisions that have affected the world and it's often in the name of we need to protect what we have been given here in America. And I'm like, who the crap gave it to you besides God? And if we're not, if we're not here to, I'm sorry, you know, this is me making it political. I'm like, I'm a pacifist. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I don't always agree with the decisions in our past. And I think we're finally paying in some ways for, those sins that have never been um, accounted for, you know? Not not a personal sin on me or Mandy or Sarah or Holly. I'm not saying any of us have, like, done anything wrong, but I feel like our, our nation, and I do feel like God does hold nations accountable to how they have taken care of his creation and humanity as the most important and valuable part of that. So 
Done. Good. Throwing my peace sign up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to end our book discussion. This has been great, you guys, with this quote uh, that Sir Janus said in the book. Because I think if, I don't know, should we do this? If you were a person in the book, who would you be? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> totally all want to see we, Katie being Sir Janus. Katie would be Sir Janus. Anyway, I think quote, so. <laughs> you've no right to starve people, to punish them for no reason, no right to take away their life and freedom. Those are things everyone is born with, and they they are not yours for the taking. Mm-hmm. Winning a war doesn't give you the right Having more weapons doesn't give you the right. Being from the capital doesn't give you the right. Nothing does. End quote. And I know that's verbatim from the book because I listened to it so uh. many times to like put it down. So we're going to move on. Does anyone else have anything? Look at me. Does anyone else have anything to say about the book that they want to before we do our A through F rating? That was a good quote. <laughs> that was so good. So good. Okay. We're going to do our A through F rating. Um, all right. So uh, our grading is A through F. A is all good. B, better than most. C, could have been better. D, disappointing. And F, failure on all levels. Thank you. Okay. Let's start with Mandy and then we'll go Katie and then Sarah and then me. Okay, so last week we did all um, thumbs up the book. Yes, we did all thumbs up, up, and then we did lots of other ratings. And (gasps) being the Enneagram 3 that I am, I took all of our ratings and I put them all on the blog post. So if you care to know what we rated, the 1 through 5 of the four different things, the mood, the story, all of those character developments, it's all on the blog. Also, you can look at the blog for the upcoming four books. We all already have our next four books picked out um super exciting so anyway okay go on mandy a through f okay um uh i'm gonna give it a c could have been better i am i'm honestly waiting for the next prequel (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to make a few connections there were a lot of things answered about why things were they were the were the way they are in the trilogy books um it, it moved too slow for me. Oh, it just moved too slow for me. I, uh, even even though I enjoyed it, I really did. So okay, so it moved too slow for me. And dang it, I also want a prequel to the prequel. You want I more, but want it's I like do. when I, I answered do. Sarah's question, like it yeah. was too slow, but I wanted more. Or I don't remember. Yeah, more information. That was. More information. Yeah, yeah, like. Okay, so anyway, yeah, I give it a C, which I didn't want to do, but just, yeah, okay. Okay, um, I, this is Sarah, and I think I'm going to rate it a C also, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I just, um, the same, like, I think it could have been a couple hours shorter, um, and... I feel like there was something else I was going to say, and it just left me. Uh, but for me, that was probably the, the main thing, I think, is it just could have been shorter. I think an Enneagram 5, that's, this is me, Mandy, always thinks the books could be shorter. <laughs> I, and see, <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I, always think that. Like, I usually no, I am don't. fine with, like, 
But for true. me to be like the last three hours, That's like true. Okay, we're in well, the home did stretch. Did it feel like a separate oh. book to you? Like the it felt like the part? first, like no, like the last fourth of it was yes. when he was in District yes. Twelve. It was like I almost it, feel like it he was sped up, that. but it was like not really deep I don't know yeah. the level yeah. of detail that she gave in that section as opposed to the other section and then what happened yeah yeah I feel like it honestly I, I think say. you're right like the first part could have been like the prequel and then they could have started once he went to the district and that could have been like a whole if she added more it could have been like a whole book but anyways I'm kind so, of one oh sorry go ahead Oh, I was just going to say real quick, Sarah, last week you had mentioned in last week's episode that the last two hours were like really slow. So I was like trying to gear up for it, man. <laughs> I already had the audible on two times speed. Oh and I was like, gosh. I am going to plow through. And I loved that did part. Did you? I was like, what was Sarah talking about? <laughs> I did not but like the just, cat and mouse know. game at the end. I was just like, oh, Oh, it was enough to drive you crazy, drive you like <laughs> The batty, details like, were like, not as like intense. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. Anyway. Last, which <laughs> so you, just, you and Katie love those details. Oh, like in, yes. um, what was what the first was. book we did? Oh, Yaya yeah, Sisterhood. And I was like, who the heck cares about the airplane or the elephant? Or <laughs> I was it like, wasn't an airplane. It was the elephant. I was the like, elephant? move right. like, that's on. All that's the whole point <laughs> of the whole book, Holly. was. <laughs> oh my goodness I was gonna say maybe once again totally theorizing but maybe she will like use even though it felt like it should have been broken up and started a new prequel book maybe she did build all that in the end just so the next one kind of continues Ooh, I, hope there's a next I would love for we there to be an, years. So. a next one. I yeah. want to know, like, what are these secrets that, like, and what is the poison that Snow gets used to having so that he has to have all of the, like, he ends yeah. up using the roses more as, like, a mask for, like, his breath and stuff right. and the sores in his mouth right. than he, like, so he even uses that as a weapon. Anyway, yeah. there's so much, like, what happened between him and Tigress? Okay, yeah. go on, Katie. Sorry. Yeah. No, I told I started that. That's I agree. I hope so. I'm gonna give it a B for better than most. Um, last week I said this was out of the four. This was my second favorite. I feel like I just really appreciated. It was a little slow, and I didn't even really think the character development of Snow was was quite I don't know like you were gonna ask did we sympathize with him and I was like I feel like she could have made you a little bit more and maybe she didn't want to make you because he was just already who he was I just kind of wish that she had made us like sympathize with him just a little bit I was more like on the verge at times. I know I was like I do get that you have had this life that your family expect has lots of expectations of you and I I I I would like to understand his perspective, but the author didn't really make me. I was like, no, he just sucks, and I don't like him at all. So, <laughs> But, yeah, so that wasn't the best for me. But I will say, like, having the character of Sir Janus as far as, like, the, the good devil's advocate, like, seeing, seeing, like, as the capital moved forward toward this, that there were people who at least spoke out. It, it made me feel a little bit like when I think about the other books, it made me feel a little bit more like um, 
oh, okay, this is, it makes sense. Like, it makes a little more sense that it wasn't just always like that. Um, It's that progression Mm -hmm. that you see. And I think she did, I, I do think she did a good job with that, like trying to have the battle of, what's more important, you know, because I do think yeah. mm-hmm. that is a lot of times like what we, you know, yeah. our political views are that way often. It's like, is it more important to have, you know, a big government or is it more important to have, you know, it was just kind of, I liked that she drew some of that out in this book. Um, it, it wasn't, it's never going to touch the original Hunger Games as far as like the anticipation and excitement level. That book mm-hmm. was just so incredibly like, I don't know, thrilling to me when I first listened to it. Yeah. As as terrible as it is, it was just really awesomely written. I'll never forget you telling us, us sitting in your living room and you like describing the Hunger Games and us being like, oh, we okay. should do that. Like, yeah. we should like, we yes. should listen to that book. <laughs> what is that book? Um, okay, this is Holly. I'm going to rate it a B just because better than most. I love stories like this. I love Harry Potter. I love these like fictional fun, but dark. It <laughs> they are dark, but they also make me think. Mm-hmm. It's not so light and fluffy to where my brain goes out the window. Um and I think there were a lot of political undertones in all of these books, mm-hmm. but um just even this one how like um the power of Coriolanus started um and the reason why I wouldn't rate it higher than that I mean there are 48 characters just in the Hunger Games she names all of them and she gives she gives like descriptions on some of them most of them and the spelling of their names is like crazy um there were just so many characters I felt she did a better job with the first Hunger Games um of not necessarily giving us all of that information, but giving us the information we needed so that we weren't bogged down in like, what is a detail that I need to know? And what is a detail that I do not need to know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I'm rating it. That's true. She gave all the names and then it was like, and they died two seconds later. Who cares? Why did you even right. tell? Like, who t- yeah. why'd you tell us that? They're not even yeah. going to make it in the movie. I mean. Right. I mean. <laughs> There are a lot oh, of people. I, I had to make a spreadsheet the movie, so. oh. of all of the people. I have a spreadsheet of you all the characters that, and what happened. I might post it That's at cool. the end of the blog if you guys want that. So, cool. Okay. Um, hosting this book club. Let's host it. Let's go in the same order. Sarah, Mandy, Katie. And let's go. All right. So location. Recreation of the hob. <laughs> Um, small local bar or restaurant with live music. That sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. Uh, okay, for activity. Um, so you could make something resourceful like Tigress did often, like with the shirt. Um, another thing you could do is get random ingredients and try to make something good out of it, like a good meal. Um, that sounds kind of like... Um, uh, chopped? Yes. Is that what yeah. chopped? Yes. Or they just have random ingredients? That's Oh, that's fun. Um, and that could be like your competition segment of the book club, too. There's uh, a competition anyway. segment? Uh, <laughs> did I win it? If I won it, if I won it every single book that's club, I, I didn't know we had one. Yep. But I'm sure I would win. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we though. need to Kate, add that. There's such a competitive. There's such competition to this book, like in the book that you could play chopped and have it be a competition. Okay. I mean, if the three is hosting the book club, if <laughs> the Enneagram three is, there has to be a competition. So yay. Well, okay, since we've already talked about this so much, my idea for social media this next week, um, I would like for all of us to draw names from a hat and pick five ingredients that we have in our pantry and make a meal out of them. Okay. And like, I mean, yes. So like I would pick, you mean no, ingredients? I would pick ingredients for maybe Sarah and Sarah would pick ingredients for Mandy. Mandy would pick ingredients for Katie. And, what if they don't know, have those ingredients at their house huh? though? Do they have to go get them? I think we could socially distance and bring them to each other. Oh, okay. You know, I gotcha. and like, or like this is I fun. could come up with five Thank ingredients you. and then give them to the person that, and then these are the things you have to create. Oh, that sounds so fun! <laughs> that's what we're gonna we're gonna do. It, it Can does we do it fun. on social media. Yeah. Okay, so you guys, my activity we're gonna do online on our Instagram story on Saturday, and just look out for that. I'll give more details in our um, Instagram and Facebook live stories throughout the week. Yeah. And that's Saturday, June the 20th. (gasps) The 20th. Um, Okay. The number of episode this is. Great. Okay. So for decor, we could do white roses and snakes. (laughs) I'm kidding. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I already am not. Look, I already can't go see the movie whenever it comes out. I don't want to also not be able to go to a Okay, club. attire. Redesign one of your mm. old outfits into something new, which I think would be fun to do, especially since I don't sew. My sewing skills are horrible. Um, and I think it would be also <laughs> yes. really cool. Um, <laughs> Mandy would hate this, but like the multicolored Lucy Gray snake dress, that sounds awesome. It does. It sounds kind of cool. It really kinda does. Bra- like kind of retro is what I picture. <laughs> And rainbow. Yeah. Like Like Dolly Parton's coat of many colors. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah. She's just a little Dolly. Just put some snakes (laughs) on it. So, favor, you could do lavender soap. We could go to Katie's house. We could get some goat milk and make some lavender soap with her young living oils. And the reason why this is in there is because. Tigress gives Coriolanus some soap to give Lucy Gray before she goes into the arena. Yes. I know. That was so sweet. (laughs) All right. So um, for food, and all of this food sounds so good, cabbage soup, which they really downplay in the book because, like, it's pretty much all they have to eat sometimes. So, okay, cabbage soup, beans. Okay, stale (laughs) bread does not sound good, but you could do that. Um, boiled potatoes also does not sound good. Did you guys want No, we didn't. Just read them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, bread, butter, squash, pie, sandwiches, and like the Hunger Games classic lamb stew. Oh, can you please make that again, Holly? <laughs> I'm going to have to make yes. it. I will make it and I'll post it on our Instagram story. That will be part of uh, the but stories that you it. see yeah. this week. I want. Oh, like you want me to deliver it to you? Or I will and come oh. get it. 
Let me see how much lamb I can get my hands on. Oh, I I'll beg of you. I'll you money. <laughs> I, I just want to smell it. Can you just let me smell it? <laughs> like, I Mandy wish. would probably throw up. Mandy hates, like, gamey food. Oh, it smells <laughs> delicious. So I have good, so tried uh, to love lamb. I'm sorry. And yeah, that food for you, the potatoes and all that, that would not have been your favorite. Okay, finally for music, you can do folk music. It's gonna be some classic like bluegrass kind of hillbilly covey style music holly can play I her fiddle fiddle some yeah Good for night. sure always the instagram stories are gonna like write themselves okay. for me yes dude oh <laughs> i always give you song suggestions and then you're like i can't do those but you can play some good fiddling listen I can't wait we were listening to the last podcast in our car and remington was like is that auntie holly playing <laughs> oh, oh no it's not oh, oh. it could be though Takes too much time <laughs> to edit all of that stuff i do not have the proper and mandy equipment. could sing she could be lucy gray and do her own version of that song you guys could that would be kind of awesome. I'm just Who saying. Who is you guys could sing? Oh, Mandy no. can sing. You can play, Holly. Kitty <laughs> okay. and I are just going to watch. The two of us You can play can. the washboard and the spoon. You can get a juice harp. Mm, yes. I can, I can whistle really loud. Let's I'm not, not going to hear it right now. Oh. Okay. My goat whistle. Wow. This is getting you really guys, fun. You guys, this has been great. Okay. Well, be the best. And subscribe to our show on the platform of your choice. Um, you could even write us a review. We would love to read more of your reviews on the show as well. So follow us on Facebook. We are at facebook.com forward slash the BBCE. Investigate our Instagram. We are at the BBCE. And wander into our lovely little world. We at www.thebestbookclubever.com where you can find more information about all the fun things we discussed in this show. You can also see the great graphic that I created for the song Birds and Snakes, which Mandy should not go to our blog for the next two weeks. But, you know, there's your warning. Um, Thank you and for all the snake haters out there. all the snake haters. But we do, we want them to go to our blog though. Okay. Don't forget to be the best you you can be because after all, there's only one of you. The end. And now it's time for some bloopers. Okay, so one other activity that you you could do um, is to create a ballad okay. for your I life. I laughed can even when I really I'm not <laughs> going to have to do that because mine oh. has already been written. Somebody else did it for Ooh, me. What is the name awesome. of it? It's oh. called Yellow. That's an Coldplay. awesome song. That's not the <laughs> ballad of your life. <laughs> she just likes the name Yellow. And the song is good. not the ballad the of your life. Too, <laughs> and I'm not All right. my exes live in Texas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is I like my women just a little on the trashy side. So it's like if you could pick a pick a current (laughs) ballad or a ballad, what would it be for your life? Oh my!